Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. So, if you don't know me, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach and slowly but surely becoming more senior pastor, especially as my back decides that it uh, doesn't like to do something. I, I will tell you this, Terry, to make you feel a little bit better. My wife, who loves me very much, she's in kids' ministry this morning, by the way. She was like, Terry's older than you, and he went longer than you, and like, you work out all the time. Like, what's your problem? <laughs> and I was just like, Fitness and back issues is two different things, beloved. So, Terry, keep going, buddy. Okay. Um, today, we're going to be in Colossians. Um, if, if you've not been reading along with us in the one-year Bible, you're not missing out necessarily. But uh, if you want to get in, when I'm in this part of what we're doing as a church is I'm preaching out of something you read in your one-year Bible, and you're like, what is a one-year Bible? So one-year Bible is just split into um, two, usually two chapters of the Old Testament, a chapter of the New Testament, a Psalm and Proverb every day. And if you read it all in one year, you will have read the entire Bible uh, in one year, repeating, I believe, the Psalms at least twice, and then Proverbs maybe two or three times, two times. Um, so... If that's something you're interested in, we have free copies on the table. You can pick one up, and you can be reading along with us, and usually on the next Sunday, something you read that week um, will be taught, uh, which I think is important because as you're reading, you don't read just to check a box. You read to say, hey, you know, what is God speaking? What is God saying to you? And that's usually what I'm trying to do during the week, going, hey, God, what do you want for our church? And um, this week, one verse stood out to me, specifically Second, uh, I'm not second, <laughs> Colossians 2, verse 6, which we'll get to in a second. But here's a question for you. Where does life come from? And let me clarify that. I mean the life that we long to live, that life that Jesus talks about when he says, I came to give you life and life to the full or life in abundance. The one with purpose and joy and meaning the one that doesn't just benefit us, but also benefits those around us. That life happens as we walk with God and are rooted and built up in Christ. Today, we want to look for wisdom. Um, I actually wrote the second chapter, but there's not two chapters. What is the second chapter? I was super confused. This morning, I started talking about my back, and now it's just like messing up everything. In the second chapter of Colossians, uh, so before we get into the Word, I want to pray um, just that God would settle me and uh, bring His Word. Uh, Lord, I submit to You. Right now, Your Word is the most important thing uh, for this church and for our lives. And so, Lord, as we... Um, get taught, uh, not just by me, but by your word today, uh, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, as you inspired Paul to encourage a church, would you allow his words to encourage this church? 
Lord, would you speak to our hearts in, in places that we, we desire a life that is filled with purpose and joy and peace. We want that. But Lord, we, we need you to help us get there. Lord, this is not in our ability or in our strength. It's through you. And so, Lord, would you use your word today to inspire, to encourage, and spur us along. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this letter, um, i like to give you a little bit of kind of background. This letter was written by Paul while he was in prison to a church in modern-day Turkey, real close to the church that we talked about last week, Laodicea. It's actually mentioned in this, to this letter to be written or read, not only to the church in Colossae, but the church in Laodicea. Uh, and Paul wrote this to a church that he had never visited. He didn't start. Um, he had a relationship with the guy who started this church. This guy came to visit Paul while he was in prison, encouraged him. And, and Paul, just hearing about this church, was excited about them, about their faith. And he wanted to cur- encourage them about all the things that were going on. And, and what you'll see in most of these epistles, most of these um, books that were written or letters that were written to churches after the resurrection of Jesus, most of them were complicated. They were struggling. They, were, they had other outside influences that were either tainting or trying to pull them away. And, and Paul wrote this letter to this church that he had never met, that he had never seen face to face, but he loved them enough to write this letter. And if you read uh, the, the first chapter, and you'll see it even in this couple of first verses in chapter 2, um, that his heart beats for what God wants to do in and through this church. He, even in prison, while he is being persecuted for the name of Jesus, he is, honestly, we wouldn't have all the letters that Paul wrote. Our, our Bible wouldn't be filled, the New Testament, with a lot of letters from Paul if Paul wasn't in prison. And just to let, let, let that just meditate or, or marinate in you. You can meditate on it too, like marinate on it. Is that sometimes, and I, I want to kind of directly speak to you because I don't know where you're at. You could be in a prison. You could be struggling with something. You could be in the middle of the biggest storm that you've ever experienced. And one of the things that we'll see in verse 6 specifically, he says that we do all these things for Thanksgiving. Paul wrote uh, probably the most joy-filled, love-filled letter of the Philippians while he is being persecuted, while he is in prison. Because he had tapped into something that we have to tap into, and that's the presence and peace that God brings to us in the middle of the storm, in spite of what's going on, in spite of what's coming against us. And the one thing that you'll hear all, all throughout this letter, and specifically what we're going to talk about today, is that if Christ isn't central to the way that you think, the way that you perceive your reality... Um, your relationships, then you're in trouble. If, if any part of your worldview, any part of what you think, or even, even in your own relationship, if you're married, if you have kids, if, if Christ isn't central to, to that, those things, then something else will, and you'll lead out of that thing. The problem is, most of the time, if Christ isn't central, it's not that we even have this one other thing that's central that we're like, yes, there it is. We're just unaware. We just allow these other things to come in and come out and kind of rule the way we think, 
the way we feel, the way we perceive our world, we're in chapter 1 specifically, Paul was saying, hey, Christ has to be preeminent. He has to be first. He has to be what's leading you because if he isn't, something else will change the way you think about the situation. If Christ isn't preeminent, you could be in prison and not be looking at it through the lens. Paul literally said, it is to your benefit that I'm imprisoned. And you know what else happened while he was in prison? All the guards of his prison that we're in, they heard the gospel. See, if he isn't preeminent, you'd be sitting there and going, well, God doesn't love me. And let me just tell you, and I'm I'm grateful that the Bible records people that love Jesus thoroughly still struggling. Because it is a lie from the pit of hell to believe that if you're struggling, you have done something wrong. Now, let me just pull that back. You may have done something wrong. You may have done something really stupid and you're paying for your stupidity. I'm just, I'm not saying, but... You could also have done nothing, lovingly fulfilled the things of God like Paul. I don't think we'll find anyone else that we would go, like there's some people in the Bible, we would be wrong, but we would go, I'm closer to him. Like we could be like friends and like we're similar. Like I think most people in here would be like, I know Paul, like he makes me nervous. He makes me nervous. I think if I got around Paul, I'd be tucking in my shirt. I'd be making sure my hair. Like, I, I wouldn't be saying dumb things. I mean, that's Paul, and, and Paul's in prison. So it is, it ha, Christ has to be central to who we are. And church, hear me in this. If Christ isn't central, something else will be. And if something else will be, your life will suffer because you can suffer because of things that are happening like Paul being in prison and still have joy, peace and all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we can live there and be content with all things, but we could when Christ isn't central, everything can just be a mess. And most of our mess is because of that. And and so I have 15 verses that we're going to go through today and I'm going to talk through them and we're going to come back to when I finish with the 15 verses, and talk about verse 6, what I think God wants to do this morning through that verse specifically. But just for the record, too, um, never base your life on a verse without understanding the context. A lot of people will ruin your day and ruin your life because they'll take one verse and they'll take it out of context and they'll convince you that this is what the Word says. So I encourage you, one of the first things you should do when someone tells you a truth based on one verse is read read the context. And then if you've got a Bible, a lot of times that context will even give you other places that it came from, and you should, you should look those up too because that will give you wisdom and discernment of how to perceive that. So let's start verse 1. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. Man, I don't know about you, but like, have you ever had somebody that's just like, they write you an encouraging letter and they're like, man, I'm thinking about you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm for you. I'm with you. I mean, could you imagine Paul writing this letter, have never met them, and he is struggling for them. 
Man, what an encouragement. Um, verse 2, it says that their hearts, and this is important. I think there's some, some nuggets that we need to get here, and I think this is a, uh, a big disclaimer of why you should be a participant in a community group. It says that their hearts may be encouraged. This is why he's writing this. Be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Hear this. Maybe taking some liberties. Maybe not. Encouragement and community is important to reach full assurance. He's he's praying. He was like, that they would be encouraged and their hearts would be knit together. And then that, those two things would help them reach a fullness of understanding the mysteries of God, which is Christ. If you think that you can have everything that you need in Christ without community, unless you're isolated on an island and you have no other choice, you're in trouble. Because you know who is the most deceptive person that you know? It's you. I know you think all these people lie to me all the time. You lie to yourself all the time. All the time. You're interpreting interpreting your world and you need people to be like, that's dumb. That's dumb. I need people in my life to look me in the face and say, that's dumb. God, gratefully, 28 years ago, gave me Jody Cadell. She was Jody Hamilton back then. And she has not ceased to tell me over and over again, that's dumb. I, and I mean that in a loving way. I do. I know it sounds like, like she's just like, you. no, she loves me more than anyone I have ever met in my entire life. And she loves me enough when I'm being dumb to say, that's dumb. We need that. We need that to reach because like our mental capacities without the help of other people can only handle so much. Because we'll lie to ourselves. We'll take, well, this is my truth, and I'm going to live in my truth. And sometimes my truth is not truth. And we need other people that are also living in this centrality of Christ, this preeminence of Christ that can go, ooh, like you need to be careful with that. You need to be careful with that way of thinking. You need to be careful of that way of talking, even internally to yourself, because that is dangerous. And here, I've, I've said this already, but without Christ, we're lost. If, if Christ isn't preeminent in our life, we're in trouble. And hear this, because I'm going to talk about our pursuit and our work in Christ. There is no work or pursuit in Christ without Christ. I think one of the most dangerous religious things that you can do, and you can hear at church and through church, is that if you... If you master this religious stuff, reading, praying, giving, serving, if you master those things, you have a relationship with Christ. I mean, Christ has, uh, in one of the Gospels, it, he, he's talking to a people, and he was like, get away from me, I don't even know who you are. And he's like, we've prophesied in your name, we've healed in your name, we've done these mighty works in your names, and he says, I don't know who you are. So doing the things of God isn't as important as being connected to God. We need Christ. Verse 3, it says, In whom are hidden all, talking about Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Why do we need to know everything that we should know about the Bible? Because there are very plausible arguments. If you, if you pop on to any social media, especially with these little, you know, little reels, these 20-second little things, and man, somebody will, will post something, you're like, oh, that sounds good, and that sounds true, and sometimes it is. But the reason why you have to have a firm understanding, a firm grounding, and a relationship of people that you can be like, I heard this, and I, like, I'm, I'm struggling with this understanding. Because there are plausible arguments, not true arguments, plausible. When you don't have the right information, there are things that can cause you to be confused about who Christ is. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. All wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. And if we pursue wisdom and knowledge outside of Christ, we won't get either one of those, wisdom or knowledge. Verse 6. Actually, verse 6 and 7 are my, my verses that we're going to settle back on at the end. It says, therefore, talking about all this, this tension that he's feeling about them. Therefore, you have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord. So he's speaking to a, a people that have declared Christ their Lord. They're saved. He says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So this relational connection to Jesus is not just a momentary saying, yes, if your belief and understanding about your connection to Jesus is that you had a one-time encounter at a church where you felt compelled to pray a sinner's prayer and now you're good and you don't have to do anything else, you've been misled. (laughs) Because what it means is he's inviting you into a relationship. He, He tells us, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. That is salvation, not the following. The following is what happens after what he does to us. Just like we talked about in Galatians not too long ago, the fruits of the Spirit happen because of what he's done in us. And we have to get into a place that we understand who Christ is to us. And there is a work involved with it. So we, ha- we must walk with him. Rooted, built up, and established in faith, just as you were taught. He, he's reminding them, hey, the things that you learned, the things that you discovered about me, you have to continue in them. It wasn't just this momentary, yes, I'm awakened to Christ, and then. So I'm going to try to put some ex- ex- explanation to these words. Rooted in Christ. This is an idea that is written, that word is written in past tense. It's an agricultural term being in Christ once and for all and not moving. Rooted. What he began in us, this is something that happens. So some of these things are active and some of them have happened to us. So when we have given our life to Christ, we become rooted into who he is. He becomes our cornerstone. He becomes our where we build from. Build up in him is a present tense. It's a construction term an outward and orderly progress through time. So the idea here is not only are we rooted in Christ, but we're being built up in Him. If you've, 
I'm not a builder. I feel like anytime I talk about something that like I'm not a master of, like people are like, he said that wrong. Forgive me. Just like I use sporting analogies sometimes, and sometimes I get them right, and sometimes I don't. I'm just, just, just confessing. So this idea of a foundation, if you build a foundation, which is Christ, it starts on, <laughs> could you imagine, like I live in a house that has a foundation here in this part of the country. Most of them are slabs because you know, our ground's so wet. But you, could you imagine if I, my house, the people who built my house, I had this picture of what it was going to be, and I came in and they poured the foundation. I get excited about that, but then nothing else happens to it after that. And they're like, there you go. Our life is the same. Like we get a foundation poured and then we build level by level by level by level. And this is present, meaning it's something that we're actively doing right now. If we're building, you should be building on the faith. And I don't mean adding to something that doesn't belong there. Because in my house, there's a plan that has to be built and there's wood that's connected to. So there's a slab and on top of the slab they have blocks and on the blocks you have the <laughs> see this is where i get in trouble <laughs> then you have wood and it's bolted there so that the wind doesn't blow it over and each of those is structurally built on top of the other and then after the wood is put on then the sheetrock is in and then all the internal stuff is the same thing with us if we're going to be built up it is a outward and orderly progress through time you're if you're if you just took a breath in I hope you did, because if not, you're dead. And you just breathed out. God is still working in you. Your house is not done. You need to be active in building it up until the day you meet Jesus face to face. This is going on. Established. Other translations call it strengthened in the faith. Is an athletic imagery. Exercise and practice of determination and perseverance and obedience. It's this active. So not only are we building on a foundation, layer by layer by layer, but we're actively working out our faith. If you have, you know, um, any part of fitness in your life, you'll learn very quickly that if you, you spend all this time, you could spend years spending hours a day doing a fitness routine. And then you can take a break for a month. You know what happens at the end of that month? You've lost everything. I'm, I, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, you take a week off. Like, I do, I've been doing this thing for like 95 days. I do um, 100 push-ups every day. And I'm terrified of, like, stopping because then I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to get back. Like, even this, like, little back thing that I've got going on, I did it yesterday. Jenny was like, <laughs> I'm a, I love checking boxes. I'm just going to not lie. And I've got this little app where I check boxes with my 100 push-ups. I was like, I got my 100 push-ups in that little ab routine that I do every day. And she's like, babe, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm checking my box. I'm not losing my streak. So this established is this strengthening and working your faith. It's something that you have to actively participate in. And you'll realize this, just like physical discipline, spiritual disciplines is the same way. It is something that is never meant to stop. Fitness, very important. You should be doing little pieces of it every day. And the, they say one of the most, 
one of the most critical things for longevity is muscle mass. And your willingness to just continue to work. I'm not saying you have to be super fit, and I'm not saying I have never seen a six-pack on this, oh, this body. Probably never will, and I don't care because that doesn't matter. But, like, I just want to be disciplined with my physical, but I also want to be disciplined with my spiritual life. This is what established. We have to be active participants in it. We cannot strengthen something in our faith without actively participating. Overflowing with thankfulness. This is a water imagery. Continuous renewal of thanks like water from a spring feeding everything around it. if you're a part of our young crows, we're doing this book called The Good and Beautiful God. And, and our practice this week was uh, a thankful list. And one of the things that you'll realize, if you don't do this very much, we're negative Nellies. Nellies. Your name's Nellie, I'm sorry. Um, our, our natural inclination is to think about what's going wrong. Like that's what we get fixated on. And part of the exercise was is just writing down things that, you know, you're thankful for God for. And, and what you'll realize when you start this practice is that there's so many things to be thankful for. I mean, literally, for now, if you like the heat, I'm sorry. But, like, if you're, like, waiting for these fall temperatures, when you woke up this morning, you're like, I can wear my hoodie again. <clears throat> there are things to be thankful for. And the more you... Look at things to be thankful for, the more your heart will overflow with thankfulness. And that's what he's talking about here. It it should be something that this continually, over and over, regardless of negative things that are going on, there are always things that God is doing that we can be thankful for. Verse 8, it says, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceits, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. Part of the issue that the church was having in this day when he wrote this letter is that it was written to a pagan culture that had lots of gods that they would pray to for different things. And part of their culture and their expectation of their culture is that Jesus is just one extra person that you would add to the gods that you pray toward. No, we cannot add Christ to, he's not a piece of our life. If he's going to be preeminent, there can be no other. We have to eliminate those. And and this is why it's important to live out verses 6 and 7. Because these are currently happening. And I, I don't have a thorough list. If I had a thorough list of all the things that we should be careful of, we'd be here for the next two weeks. But dabbling in horoscopes, astral charts, tarot cards, or this idea of just a little bit of Buddha. A little bit of something. Jesus and a little bit of something else. Look, if Jesus is preeminent, if Jesus is God, there is no other. And everything else, if I just ruined your day because you love looking at that horoscope, reading a horoscope and and, and trusting that something because of the stars or because of something else is going to lead you down a path is a dangerous open door to the demonic. Don't do it. And that, that's, I don't even have a full list, but they're there. We have to be very careful. And this is why I think we should be students of apologetics. You should understand and know why you believe what you believe. Verse 9, it says, For in him 
the whole fullness, this is talking about Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Okay, this is a very central theme to good theology, to a Christian church, is Christ was not a good man that lived a sinless life. Christ was part of the Trinity and is God himself. The fullness of divinity dwells bodily in him. If Christ was just a man, then we are still stuck in our sin. But if Christ was God putting on flesh and coming and sacrificing himself, this whole little, I don't know if y'all seen any of this, this, this idea that God is this angry, vengeful God, and he has, if he sent his son to die for him, that he's an abusive father. It is, that is the dumbest train of thought in the world. You, know, you want to know why? Because if Jesus is part of the, the Trinity, which he is, at least we believe that at this church, then God didn't send his son to torture him. God sent himself. He loved you so much that he didn't send some other, some second class, whatever. He, he came himself for us to die on the cross. Verse 11. In him, are, in him also you were circumcised with circumcision, listen to this, made without hands. So we've talked about this and this idea of like, do you have to fulfill and walk in these, in the law? And, and in the law, there's this, not idea, there was this command that you must be circumcised. And if you're a man, um, if you're not circumcised, then you're not of the people. I mean, they took this very serious. There's another verse that says, even today, I think it was in Jeremiah, it was today or yesterday, it was talking about, you know, you weren't just circumcised because you were circumcised in the flesh. You're circumcised by your heart. That's what he's talking about here. That that wasn't made with made without human hands, but putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, what he does for us, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Romans 2, verse 28, it says, For no one is Jew is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. And let me just say this to the Christians, because most likely no one in this room is Jew, a Jewish person. No one who claims to be a Christian, that is only a Christian outwardly, is really in Christ. A Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcised outwardly and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. It is his work. He starts the work. He begins it in us. And he grows it in us. What he begins in us, he will bring to completion. See, we're not talking about perfecting it in the flesh. We're talking about learning to live through the Spirit. Galatians 3.3, it says, Do not, Are you so foolish that what God began in the Spirit, you're trying to perfect now in the flesh? This work, 
So you could hear these things and be like, oh, I need to be rooted. I need to be built up. I need to, I need to do these things. If you do these things without the Holy Spirit, you're missing out. We have to learn to abide in him, learn to live in the vine. That, that imagery where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Any man that remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. The vine doesn't produce the fruit. The vine is just the conduit to the branch. It's the branch. It's the, it's the roots that produce the fruit, but it has to come through. We have to be connected, abiding in him. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised in the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal, legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. John 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We have to learn to live like this is true. You know, just opening and reading the Word will not fix you. You should read the Word. We encourage you to read the Word daily, but you have to be connected to the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I think it's in John 17 that the helper, when I'm gone, I'll send the helper to you, and it will be the helper, the Holy Spirit, that help us understand his word. Verse 15 says, He disarmed the rulers in authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Christ is our victory. So here's a couple things for you. And we'll wrap with this. Does Christ have the preeminent voice in your life? And this is work. This isn't just a one-time thing. This isn't like you sign up to be a Verizon customer and you're always connected. Or AT&T or you know, T-Mobile or whatever. This is, this is something that we have to participate in. And I, I think we're, we'll see that as we go through. Is Christ the preeminent voice in your life? And the, the question that goes with that, if, if that's a struggle or if he's not, what other voices do you need to silence? Another book that I'm reading today was talking about the, uh, the necessity for us to learn to be quiet and to be still and to hear. Like, we have a noisy culture, and I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I like, I don't... Quiet is, you know, like, and it's not, not even like that I don't want quiet. Even on my way here, I like to put in a headphone and I'm listening to something or music and good stuff, but I just felt like on the way to church, I was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no, just, just ride, just, just, just be still. So is Christ the preeminent voice in your life? And what other voices do you need to silence? So here's... Here's some more questions for you, dealing with verses 6 and 7. Are you rooted in Christ? Are you trusting in Him for salvation? And I I mean legitimately, not trusting in your good works, not trusting in some of us will will go, yes, God loves me, and you list out things that you've done. That's not 
we don't stand before God. We won't meet our end, stand before God, and he go, why should I allow you into my heaven? And you list the good things that you've done. That will get you nowhere. That will be just like the people that Jesus is saying, I don't know who you are. Is he your foundation? Is he, are you rooted in Christ? Are you built up in him? Are you adding to your understanding of what it means to be a child of God? We need to live in this place. This is why we need to con- we need to be here on Sunday morning. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to be in community groups, in Bible studies. We need to be in places that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak in and through us. We need to be in the Word. We need to pick other books that are going to encourage us. I, I think one of the my most fond disciplines that I picked up over the last year is I read ten pages of a nonfiction every day. So. Three or four of those are my one-year Bible every day. And then I have six other pages of another book that I'm currently reading. And, and not that books are the answer to everything, but like we need to be students of what God is doing in and around us. We need to be students of who God is. And we cannot do that here. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I, I get you 30, I'm 36 minutes in, and I'm going to wrap this up real quick. I get you 30 five to 40 minutes a week, I cannot resolve all the things that you need in 35 to 40 minutes. If, if this isn't a buffet that you come and like you get enough food for the whole week, you, you've got to be connected. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have a place in your life. Are you established in the faith? Is that understanding, is the knowledge that you're getting about what he's building up in you, is that allowing you to stand firm? Is that, you know, the, we usually don't know how well it's allowing us to stand firm until a storm comes or some other thing comes into our life that challenges that. And the last thing is that are, are you overflowing with thankfulness? I'm going to invite our worship team back up here. Gratitude is a good marker. And I don't mean that you have to like everything that's going on, but gratitude is a good marker of how rooted Christ is in you. Are you overflowing with thankfulness for what he's done in you? This is where that life that you desire comes from. So where do we go from here? One, uh, if you're not rooted in Christ, if Christ hasn't become your Savior, that, that's step one. And that's just an open invitation from the Father to say, hey, let me be what I designed you to be, my child. And let me just tell you, um, saying yes to Jesus doesn't make everything good. It doesn't make everything easy. But it gives you a foundation to stand on as you move forward. That's one thing. So you could be in here saying, hey, I don't even know Jesus. Like, I need to be rooted before I can do any of the others. And for those that are rooted, that are looking to Jesus as your Savior, are you building that up? Like, if, if he is preeminent, if he is important in your life, you should make time for him. He should be participant. Part of your schedule should be like, I need time with Jesus. And let me just tell you who that's going to benefit. Everybody around you. 
struggling, you know, not, you want your marriage to be better, spend time with Jesus. You want your relationship with your kids to be better, spend time with Jesus. If you want your work environment to be better, spend time with Jesus. Jesus doesn't change any of those relational, it doesn't change the other person, the kid, the wife, the co-workers. He changes you. And in changing you, he changes things around you. So as I pray for us, I just encourage you, just be willing to allow God in. Take the wall down and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. Let's pray. Lord, we're lost without You. Our struggle is to learn to live like that's true. And so, Lord, I, whether we're on the outside looking in or we're, the, we're on the inside, Lord, I pray that you would help us with that reality, that you would shape and mold the way we think about you, which will shape and mold the way we think about ourselves. Lord, we don't need an improved self-esteem. We need an improved awareness of who our God is. Help us live like children that rely on the Father for life and joy and peace. So Lord, would you move us all further along in our journey with you? Lord, you know what is needed and I just pray right now that you would help us take that step forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.